Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Faith in $5. $5, six countries, four months, and a one-way ticket to southern Russia. This is a book about faith, obedience, and miracles by Jonathan Nowlin. I hope you enjoy this reading of Faith in $5. Chapter 11, The Great Escape. As soon as we returned from our soccer game extravaganza, we discovered that we needed yet another miracle. Upon returning to our hotel, we discovered that there had been a change with the rail system and the train we had planned to take from Minsk to southern Russia was no longer operating. Sometimes there is no way to anticipate the types of things that can and will go wrong in our kingdom assignments. This was a completely unexpected development, and our team faced some serious challenges as a result. Each of us had just enough money to purchase the train tickets to southern Russia, Mike and I had given our team leader the required amount from the money that Mike had borrowed from his bank in England. Although I was penniless at this point, once again, at least I knew I had enough money in the team fund to purchase my anticipated train ticket. The implications of the altered train schedule began to become clear to us as we learned that there was absolutely no seats available on any other train. This was because Belarusian and Russian citizens had booked up the available space long before in order to travel to the Black Sea for their summer vacations, the very route we needed to take. Unfortunately, we had no plan B. We brainstormed together for any kind of alternative plan, but the only alternative we could think of was to obtain super cheap flights on the insanely dangerous Russian airline Aeroflot, or as it was jokingly called in those days, Aeroflop. At first, there was a glimmer of hope that this might work. However, some people on the team did not feel it was worth the risk to fly this unmaintained airline, and one team member's parents flat out forbade the idea, so we were stuck. If we could not get to Tuapse, southern Russia, on time, then a cascading domino effect would begin that would derail our largest camp programs of the summer, and furthermore would cause Mike and me to miss the flights we had already booked from Krasnodar to Moscow and then on to Israel and ultimately back to London. Therefore, if we missed this particular train, we would then be stuck indefinitely in Minsk with no money. I hadn't quite envisioned our faith journey ending with Mike and me living in the streets of the former Soviet Union. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Sometimes, when you get to the absolute end of yourself, you can hardly hold your sword up. You feel that you have fought valiantly, persevered, and endured, only to lose the battle within sight of the prize. Paul exhorts us in Ephesians 6.13, having done everything to stand firm. There are times in this epic battle when we become so embroiled in the thick of the fight that all we can do is stand our ground. We were having one of those moments. My teammates and I were battered by a wide range of emotions and responses. 
Some were angry, especially the guys. Some were so frustrated and upset that weeping was the only response to our circumstances. Mostly it was the girls who cried, and their tears made the guys even more upset about our circumstances. No one likes to feel that they have been defeated in the end, especially not after having seen so many miraculous victories beforehand. It was the morning on which we had been scheduled to leave by train. The guys got together and decided that we were going to surprise the girls by doing something to cheer them up. Our whole team headed down to the market in the morning, and while the girls engaged in trinket shopping, the guys assembled all of the nicest foods we could find and put together a really nice picnic lunch. Little did we know that the subtle hand of the Lord was orchestrating this picnic shopping plan and that he was about to pull off one of the biggest miracles of the trip. As we wandered through the market carrying our huge bags of food, we met up with the girls. They were extremely excited and blessed by our genuine attempt to do something nice for them. Not a bad effort for a bunch of single guys. Just as we finished explaining our grand plan to the girls, a young Russian boy of no more than 10 years old spoke up. By overhearing our conversation in the market, the boy had learned of our need for train tickets and that we were literally stuck in Belarus. He approached us and spoke in perfect English, saying, I can get you train tickets. We looked at each other with a mix of humor and amazement. This kid could speak perfect English. John, our team leader, asked him, What do you mean I can get you train tickets? The kid said, I know people, and insisted that he could get us tickets. The bold 10-year-old went on to share that he used to be in the mafia, but now he was a Christian and he didn't do that stuff anymore. He said, all I need you to do is give me your money and all of your passports and I'll have your tickets in less than an hour. What? The suggestion that we give this kid our money and passports seemed absolutely crazy and more than a few of our team members spoke against the proposition quite negatively. We were completely thrown off by this situation. Understandably, we were incredulous about the boy's claims. However, as we pressed him a bit more, there actually seemed to be some substance to the boy's assertions. We asked him to hang on a minute while we gathered together for a quick team consultation. As incredulous as it sounds, we discovered that we were all beginning to actually consider this option. What do we have to lose? That was the common thought. If this kid disappears with our passports and train money, we will be in no worse situation than we are right now. But what a risk. If you're going to be a real asset in the kingdom of God, you have to learn to hear the voice of God. Also, you need to learn how to lead a team to hear the voice of God together. There must be a unity and a certainty that everyone is hearing the same thing, or these kinds of risks will never be considered as a possible course of action. I can't overstate the importance of hearing the Lord and obeying in real time. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right or to the left. You can learn to hear the voice of the Lord in any and all circumstances. He is speaking, but often we are not tuned in to hear Him. He may speak through a simple impression in your mind, a vision in your thoughts, by pointing out a scripture to you, or even in an audible voice. The team whose members each learn to hear the Lord independently and then are encouraged to share what they have heard with each other become convinced of the leading of the Lord because whatever they have heard personally will be confirmed by the leading that others in the team have heard. 
This type of listening prayer tunes your spirit in to what the Lord is already saying so that you can learn to avoid either praying from your own understanding or offering up powerless maintenance prayers. There is no reason to leave the still small voice of the Lord out of your team's prayer process. If you want to find meaning, power, and fulfillment in your personal walk with God, then cultivate your spiritual ears to hear and your spiritual eyes to see what the Lord is saying and doing. There's nothing on this earth that compares to living like this. In fact, once you begin to hear the Lord and He begins to know you and trust you with the secrets of His heart, you can't imagine living in any other way. Our team gathered quickly in the middle of the crowded market to lift this situation before the Lord in prayer and ask Him to speak to us. We didn't have much time and God didn't need much time. How long does it take for Him to say yes or no? We went around the group and each person shared what they felt the Lord was saying. It was unanimous. Yes. Against all earthly wisdom and better judgment, we proceeded to hand over our money and passports to this 10-year-old who recently retired from the mafia. As we watched him scamper off through the crowded market, we continued to pray. But honestly, we did not have much faith this plan would work out. We began walking back to our hotel and were nearly there when we heard the loud, excited voice of our little mafia train ticket kid calling to us. I got the tickets, he yelled over and over as he ran toward us. All I could think was, you've got to be kidding me. Since we had not seriously considered the reality that God was going to answer our prayers and work a miracle, we had neglected to prepare in any way for an imminent departure. The ticket kid ran up and handed John all our passports, train tickets, and even a receipt. What in the world had just happened? John pressed the kid about how he got the tickets, and the kid just said, I know people. I used to arrange black market tickets all the time. We realized then that we had better stop asking questions, or we would probably get answers we didn't like. Then the reality of our situation dawned on us. Our train was scheduled to leave in 45 minutes, and we hadn't even packed. We sprinted up to our rooms and scattered in all directions to grab our belongings. There was not even enough time to actually pack our bags, so we scooped up our bags, clothes, toiletries, and ran out the front door of the hotel and threw our belongings into the back of various taxi crabs. To the train station, we shouted at the drivers, and we were off. This was a sight to see. Four taxi loads of Americans speeding and swerving wildly through traffic, with people buried under piles of clothes and belongings, frantically stuffing items into backpacks. Each time the taxi took a sharp turn or a swerve, I went flying across the back seat with clothes and toiletries, likewise propelled. It was chaos. We pulled up to the train station just as our train was beginning to pull out. Our ticket kid had come along with us on the wild taxi ride to make sure we got on the right train, and now he was running at full speed with us toward the departing train. We ran alongside the train and began throwing our bags into any open doors that we could find on various train cars. By the time the last of our team members made the running jump onto the entry ladder, the train was almost traveling too fast to catch it at running speed. As we struggled into the hallway of our train car, we looked out the window to see our ticket kid sprinting alongside the train. He was waving goodbye and yelling, By the way, don't speak any English on the train. I yelled back, Why not? He replied, it's a Russians only train. They'll throw you off. I knew something was up with these tickets. 
As this last-minute communication sunk in, we began to look around to see that we were surrounded by glowering Russian travelers who were not at all pleased to see a bunch of Americans who had somehow been booked into their Russians-only train. We slowly slunk back into our bunk rooms and closed the doors. We had to avoid drawing any attention to ourselves if we were to get through even the first border checkpoint without being tossed from this train. The other miracle that had occurred was that because of our plan to prepare a nice picnic for the girls on our team, we had found ourselves prepared with bags of enough food to hold us over for a four-day cross-continent train trip. Not only did we get miraculous train tickets, but also we were provided with food to eat on the journey. There was no other option for purchasing food along the way. It is amazing how the Lord works quietly, making our paths straight, and providing for us, even when we are unaware of His working in the background of our lives. Even though we had comfortable, bunk-style beds in this classic 1950s Soviet-era train, we had a hard time sleeping that first night. We were anticipating another Latvian border-style scenario when we arrived at the first border we were to encounter between Belarus and Ukraine. Once again, the inevitable yelling, fighting, and eventual pounding on the train car door ensued. We had arrived at the Ukrainian border. On the Belarusian side of the border, the guards checked our tickets, passports, stamped an exit stamp onto our Belarusian visas. They grumbled angrily about how these foreigners had managed to get on this exclusive Russians-only train that was headed to the Black Sea. I suspect they were mostly just jealous that they were not on vacation and riding in the party train. The soldiers debated for a few minutes as to whether or not they should toss us off the train or not. They finally waved us back into our train compartment and mumbled something about it being the Ukrainians' problem now. This scenario repeated itself on the Ukraine side of the border, and then again at the Ukrainian and Russian borders. Each time they found that we were foreigners, the guards would argue and debate about whether it was worth the trouble of tossing us all off the train. They always arrived at the same conclusion that they should just let us go and we would become the problem of the next set of border guards. God repeatedly intervened to prevent us from ending up in a remote farm field in some part of Eastern Europe. The only thing worse than being a homeless foreigner in a former Soviet city would be ending up homeless in the middle of nowhere in a former Soviet republic. Each time the guards waved us through another border, our faith increased and our confidence in the power and the ability of God to make a way where there seems to be no way increased dramatically. In between border crossings, the majority of our four-day train ride to Tuapse passed quietly, and we were actually able to get some rest on the train. However, even though we did our best to ration our picnic food supplies, we began to run low on day three and became painfully hungry. By the time we arrived in Tuapse, all of us were very ready to be done with train trips for a long time. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.